Hi, Foxies. The episode you're trying to listen to is right around the corner, but first, we need your help. You may have noticed that there are no ads during the Fox and the Foxhound. We prefer this, being ad haters ourselves, but we need your help to keep it that way. If you love this show, please consider signing up as a patron at patreon.com slash the Fox and the Foxhound. We have Patreon tiers starting at just $1 a month. And not only will you get fun extra content and an unedited cut of every episode two days early, you'll be directly responsible for keeping the show going in all of its ad-free glory. Thanks to all of our existing patrons, past patrons, and hopefully future patrons. Enjoy the episode. Hi, I'm Kevin. And I'm Amanda. And we are the Wilsons. We've been married for over a year and started the show when we were still engaged. Kev is reading through the series for the first time. And Amanda is a longtime Potterhead. Each week, we read a chapter or two and discuss our exploration of the series. Every episode features a marriage lesson from each of us based on what we've read. And Kev makes a prediction about what is to come. This podcast is about Harry Potter, love, marriage, friendship, and the power of kindness. If you are listening for the first time, welcome. In the second half of the show... We'll let you know how you can keep in touch with us and your fellow listeners. We'll also let you know how you can support the show through Patreon and contribute content yourselves. Warning, there's always a risk of adult language and poorly crafted jokes in each episode. Welcome to to the the Fox Fox and the Fox Fox Sound. Hey guys. Hey. Welcome back to Fox Sound Potter. (laughs) Um... We're really sleepy, so yeah. we're actually recording this from the bed. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> we're wide awake. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> we are quite sleepy, but we are not recording this from the bed. No, not mm. like John and Yoko. Was that a thing? Yeah. Remember they did like a bed in? Where they stayed in bed for a really long time. You say remember like I was alive when that Not happened. Not remember, but you know, <laughs> you've lived in the world. <laughs> remember that time you picked up some tidbit of information that you clearly haven't? <laughs> yes, exactly. Two chapter episode. For the first time in season six. Hey, if you start with a tune, I'm going to finish with a tune. Doesn't that sound like a really upscale restaurant in New York season six? Season six on Broadway and 43rd. I don't even know if that's an actual intersection in New York City. Yeah, it does sound like a super season six. Tonight's specials at season six include the seared scallops. Wrapped in lamb's wool. (laughs) Deep fried in sweet pea foam, <laughs> layered on a bed of roof shingles. That sounds disgusting. And sprinkled with baby dove feathers. Ew. Oh, God. It's delightful. Oh, geez. Before we talk about our two chapters, a little bit of an, an announcement that is upcoming. Our website's going to be changing. It's very exciting. Yep. We're going to OnlyFans. We're not going to OnlyFans. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Can you even imagine like what what the fuck we would even do on OnlyFans? Just us gardening out in the back, <laughs> washing dishes, arguing about laundry. 
paid money to see this. <laughs> Jesus. No, our website is changing. We are moving website hosts. This is a very good thing. The website's going to be a lot more simplified. But a couple of things that you need to know, the website address is not changing. So basically, at some point, when we actually do this migration, when you put in the fox and the foxhound.com, you'll go to our new website instead of the old website. And it's going to be just a lot more tailored for a podcast. So I think that you all will just find the website a lot more helpful. The show notes are going to be a little bit different. Uh, just because of the format of this website. But probably the coolest thing is that you can use this website to actually leave us a voicemail just using your computer. And I think probably you can do it from your phone too. And you can just leave it right through the website and it will email it to us. And you'll get to review it before you send it. So if you want to like hear yourself back, it's not going to send automatically. Uh, And Ben actually was our first to test this out because I sent a link to all of our patrons on Patreon and said, hey, check out the new site before it like is totally, I mean, it's live, but before it is the fox and the foxhound.com. And, you know, let me know what you think. And Ben actually left us a voicemail. So I wanted to play it because it's great. I'm not even sure if this is going to work, but hello, it is Ben here. I'm testing out this functionality. So this new web page of yours looks pretty schmicko. I don't know what the last word means. Pretty schmicko. I, I don't know what that means. So Ben's going to have to clarify that. But you hear how great he sounded. It was clear as a bell. Yeah. It was just super easy. So get excited because that's going to be really fun. And we'll announce on the show when it's all like fully up. You know, but you can also keep checking. Okay, so two chapters. What two chapters are we covering today? They are an excess of phlegm, one which of my, everyone's mm. experiencing in the southeast right now because of pollen. Also, phlegm is one of my least favorite words in the English and language. Chapter six, Draco's Detour. Yes. Two really I love both of these chapters. There's a lot there's a lot of funny moments. I have a lot to say about a few things, as you can probably imagine. I'm reading first today. Harry and Dumbledore approached the back door of the burrow, which was surrounded by the familiar litter of old Wellington boots and rusty cauldrons. Harry could hear the soft clucking of sleepy chickens coming from a distant shed. Dumbledore knocked three times, and Harry saw sudden movement behind the kitchen window. Once in the shop, Harry whipped off the invisibility cloak, hid it in his bag, and joined in with the other two when they insisted in answer to Mrs. Weasley's accusations that they had been in the back room all along and that she could not have looked properly. So Harry has gotten to the burrow, and I just think it's so funny that this is your first two-chapter episode, because it's almost like you got to the burrow, and you were like, okay, I have the strength to do two chapters because of this onion soup, you know, because Molly just... Boy, you love onion soup, too. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yes. I mean, of the French variety. Yes. So... Harry and Dumbledore arrive, and I think right away there's this really palpable nervousness about Molly. This kind of pops up a couple of times in this chapter. I think that it's mentioned that before we even see Molly, Harry kind of hears the nerves in her voice. She's like, who's there? Who is it? (laughs) You know, it really sets the tone for how, you know, the good guys are folks who we really haven't seen yet, how they've been spending the summer and what, you know, 
the world is like for them right now. And, and the devil himself yeah. is after one person. Yeah. And that person is the kid that's about to spend the rest of the summer with you. Right. <laughs> right. It's like, dude, you're welcome here at the same time. Like, this is really sketch. Yeah. But I mean, you would never know that that's a thought that ever crossed Molly's mind because she's just immediately in mother mode right away. Mother hen. Yeah. But Molly's not alone in the kitchen. She's there with Tonks. Yeah. So and what's going on Tonks there? Tonks is looking like she's kind of down in the dumps. Her hair is just brown. She's just looking kind of tired. And she's talking to Molly and she's like, well, thanks. Thanks for listening to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for being there. Like, clearly she's like going through some stuff. She's going through something. And she leaves. She like kind of says, hey, but she doesn't even look Dumbledore in the eye. And she just sort of like slinks past Dumbledore, walks out in the yard and just apparates. Yeah. She she declines coming to dinner. It's all just very out of character. Yeah. You know, even though Harry doesn't know her very well, there's kind of a marked difference. Yeah. I guess you could say. Well, Dumbledore leaves shortly after. There's a phrase in my book that I think must be in English phrase. I've never heard it. As he's leaving, he says, Molly, your servant. And then he like bows to her. And I was like, I've never heard that before in my life. I didn't know what that was either. It's the same in your text? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's got to just be like, I'm at your service. I'm, you know, at your disposal or whatever. But it's just funny. I thought that was interesting. The Weasleys have gotten some exciting news we learned from Molly. Yeah, Papa Weasley got a promotion. Yeah, couldn't have happened to a better dude. He's now the head of the office for the detection and confiscation of counterfeit defensive spells and protective objects. The ODCCDSPO, I suppose. exactly. (laughs) And it's basically an extension of, remember in the school Mm -hmm. when everyone was selling all of these charms and stuff. This kind of goes back to our episode on Ramblin' Ravenpuffs. Yes, we just recorded it. We're selling little amulets and crap like that. I almost like try to say ambulance. Ambulance. <laughs> amulets. <laughs> we went down there to the Ren Fair and they were selling amulets and crystals <laughs> and magical wands. So <laughs> this stuff is popping up everywhere now. Yeah. Now it's like everywhere looks like Myrtle Beach. You know, it's like. Oh, God. It you is know Myrtle what, Beach. You know what they probably have in these shop windows where they're selling this crap? Stop it. What? Those big signs that say going out for business sale. I hate. Like from afar away, it looks like it says going out of business, but it's going out for business sale. It's just gross. Yeah. It's like the wing Wings? Whales, mm-hmm. eagles. Mm-hmm. What's the other name for them? One of them is called giant. Did I you think. say waves? Waves is another one. Waves. These, if you guys aren't familiar, this is like along the coast in Ugh. the southeast. There are these like crap shops, and they sell just imported garbage. It's mostly t-shirts, yeah, that have like fish and stuff on them. But it's also like really tacky knickknacks, you know. I left my flip flops at Carolina Beach, and right or like a lot of Confederate flag shit. A lot of like pump the brakes on that shit, at least in the South. (laughs) But it might have like a lot of the t-shirts are really lewd. Like it might be a t-shirt that's got like that says. I'm with stupid, and it's an arrow pointing down to your crotch. Right? Yeah. Just gross but these places are huge and i'm convinced that they are like a front for like sex trafficking or money laundering because there's just like no way that they make enough money to stay 
open, these gigantic shops. I saw a shirt in one of those shops one time at Myrtle Beach that said, America, this literally said, America, back-to-back World War champs. <laughs> Dude, like, oh what, God. Is your, what is your life if you're walking around with this shirt on? That is, Or a tank top that says, sun's out, guns out. Sun's out, guns out. I need that shirt. I need to get like a lady small and just wear that <laughs> with my little pale, weak arms. Sun's out, guns out, boys. What's up? These these shops are the bane of my existence, and we live on the coast, so like we have some down the street, you know, in Carolina Beach. It's awful. Anyway, that's what it kind of reminds me of. Yes. So they're selling like amulets and Lucky Charms cereal. <laughs> they're they're lucky after charms. me, Lucky Charms. <laughs> I know what the Dark Lord is after. Me pot of gold. <laughs> they're magically delicious. <laughs> God, I love Lucky Charms. Anyway. As a general rule, do you like the little dehydrated marshmallows? Oh, fuck yes. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, I wouldn't love those. Um, anyway, 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 okay. anyway, anyway. I'm so glad that you brought up that this is just like what we covered in the episode of Ramblin' Raven Puffs that we just recorded. So it's not live yet, but... It was so cool that we covered this and so cool that you remembered because this is one of the clearest, in my opinion, examples of this very cool phenomenon with this seven book series that's called, I think, I don't know how official this name is for it, but the chiastic structure or its ring composition of the series, which is, it essentially is a circular, you know, kind of, there are elements that are circular. So for instance, what I mean is, Book five has a lot of mirroring of book one. So you went one, two, three, you have four in the middle as kind of a standalone sort of wackadoo, that turning point of the series. Mm -hmm. Then you have book five that has a lot of mirror elements to book one. Book six has mirror elements to book two. And this is one of them. So the amulets are sold in the school when the heir of Slytherin is around all, you know, this trade. And now we have this direct mention again, kind of early-ish on in the book. We have this direct mention. There are other really cool examples of this throughout this book and definitely in book seven where you have these, this mirror structure. I'm going to put more about it in the cool. the uh, show notes. There's actually a whole book written about it called Harry Potter as Ring Composition and Ring Cycle. Whoa. Yeah, it's it's wild, but it's really, really cool. But some of these things are dangerous. Yeah. Because this is the wizarding world. Mm -hmm. You make some crap thing, you could end up hurting somebody. Absolutely. So Arthur's sort of investigating this type of stuff. Yes. And thank goodness he is. Arthur Weasley's on the case. And speak of the devil, Arthur arrives at home and they have their little security questions with each other. Can we talk about this? Whoa. Oh, my God. Cheeky little security questions. Cheeky birds. Oh. What's the question? What does he say? Like, what do I call you under the sheets, mate, or whatever? What he, he does say? not say that. And he doesn't call her mate. Why says, would he call hey, her mate? Hey, cheeky bird, what's the song <laughs> you're singing tonight? No, he says, I think he said something like, what do you like for me to call you when we're alone? Or is it, it's innocent. And what is it? Molly Wobbles. Molly Wobbles. I can't. I can't with these two. I effing love these two. First of all, before Arthur's even call there. Call me Molly Wobbles. <laughs> before Arthur's even there, Molly's excitement 
to tell Harry about Arthur's promotion. She's so proud of him. You know, it's they're just a legendary couple. Yeah. I absolutely love them. We do have this little discussion about Fred and George. And so, you know, we're kind of set up to know that they've set up a shop mm-hmm. and they're doing pretty well. Yeah, they're living in a flat above the shop, which like is true shopkeepers. So amazing. They've got to be having so much fun. Yeah. You know, oh, it's great. And they're doing pretty well, like financially too. Yeah, they're successful. And we'll talk more about the shop and why maybe we think it's successful. So Harry crashes out. Yeah. He wakes up the next morning and it's Ron and Hermione are so excited to oh see my him. God. So they're like standing over him, like kind of messing with him. <laughs> what's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> and he kind of wakes up, talks to him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Jenny walks in yeah. and they keep talking about like, she talks to me like I'm three years old. I'm so sick of this bitch. Like they're like running their mouths. And Harry's kind of like, Oh my God, are they talking about their mom? Are they talking about Molly? This initial misunderstanding is hilarious to me. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when Jenny's like, says something about Ron, like never being out of her sight or like being stuck to her or something. And Harry's like, well, that's kind of an odd thing <laughs> to think about your mother. Yeah. <laughs> but it Lo is not. and behold. It's not Molly. It's Fleur. It's Fleur. Delacour. Delacour. Yes, and she breaks some really big news. She's marrying Bill. They're engaged. She's marrying into the family. What is this tone you have right now about Fleur? She just, I don't know. I'm kind of, they're kind of convincing me that she's a little bit of annoying. It's so, I take almost the opposite stance. Like I get it. She does seem kind of annoying. I think Ginny is really harsh through this whole thing. For sure. She calls her a cow, which we've talked on the show before that like, in the UK, that's not nearly as serious as like if I called a woman a cow in the it's US, an insinuation it's, that they're overweight and they're unattractive because of it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that would be really awful. But, you know, Jenny's kind of the ringleader here. I mean, like Hermione agrees with her. Molly at least tries to hide her dislike. You know, I feel like the ways that you can see that Molly doesn't like Fleur are ways that are peeking out of Molly's manners. Yeah. (laughs) You know, which we're all human, right? You can't always hide something that you're feeling so strongly. But like, what is Fleur's crime really in this? They call her Flim. They call her Flim. This is why the chapter is called an excess of Flim. They call her Flim Delacour. Uh Uh-huh. But like, what's her crime? What is it? That she's beautiful? Oh, I'm sorry. And French. And French. Maybe it's just like French girls piss off everybody because they're so beautiful. Right. But like. Ugh, French girls. Ugh, French girls. They're so beautiful. But like, I feel like, yes, I hate French girls because they're so beautiful. But I also know that that's ridiculous. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and also, like, if you lived over there, you would be one of them. You know, like if you happen to be French, you would be a French girl. You too would be a French girl. My God, like when we got dropped out of the Uber for our honeymoon, Mm. it's like eight in the morning or something. We'd been up all night and we get out wearing just like your standard North Carolina, like American fare. And we're like, we have got to get in this hotel and and redress. We immediately change. We've been on a plane for, you know, eight hours. People are walking by like. Dressed to the nines at eight in the morning. Yes. And it's not just like New York. Oh, yeah. It's like another level of like, seriously, dude, you have a yellow blazer on with a fresh flower sticking out of it at eight in the morning. Like I'm a scumbag. The difference with French fashion, I feel like, is French fashion is so effortless. You know, there's something very like 
intuitive. This old thing. Right. There, there's something that is is very like instinctual to the French about fashion and style. And so like even the most fashionably dressed women in New York, they might look impeccable, but y- there's intention. You know, like you can tell they planned this. They tried to look good. With the French, they just look good. Maybe part of the fleur disdain is like the Ani DeFranco line. Everyone harbors a secret hatred for the prettiest girl in the room. I really you know? think, I think that it stems out of jealousy. Yeah. A lot of it. But I just I, I think they're so unfair to her. And also there there's a real kind of like group think about this, too. And it's weird because the author never gave us any of this the first time we met Floor. She seemed pretty cool. Yeah. She was really grateful to yeah. Ron for saving her sister or grateful to Harry for saving her sister. Harry. Yeah. Yeah. Who I, I guess ask about Harry still all the time. So cute. So cute. And really like the interaction we have with Fleur in this chapter, she's, she's totally fine. She's like very outgoing and friendly and you know, she's not. She's like, I've been working at Gringotts to work on my English. My English. <laughs> I know. I think oh she's God. precious. I really think Fleur gets a raw deal in this house. I really do. There's like some other really gross stuff that comes up in this conversation. So Ron has a whole lot to say about other women's looks. Not other women as though he too is a woman. He, he has a whole lot to say about women's looks yeah. in this chapter and just overall. Right. So Tonks comes up and in, in conversation, she's not actually there. Ginny is saying, yeah, mom really hates Fleur. She keeps inviting Tonks over. I think she's hoping that like her and Bill are going to get together and like kick Fleur to the curb. And Ron is just like, mm, yes, I don't know. She's not nearly as attractive. And like then talking about Fleur, like she's just some object. Like it's pretty gross. He's a 16 year old boy. He's a 16 year old boy. I know. but <laughs> It's also really gross. He also says, as they're talking about Tonks and how miserable she looks, this is the other Ron moment that I actually hate. You know, Hermione's like, duh, you idiot. She's depressed. She's grieving. And Ron has this like, she and Sirius barely knew each other. It's like, okay, you don't get to determine how somebody else grieves. Right, exactly. And she blames herself for Sirius's death because she was fighting Bella. Mm-hmm. And if she would have kicked Bellatrix's butt, mm-hmm. then maybe she wouldn't have killed Sirius. Sirius was right. her cousin too, BTW. Yes, it was. he was her family. And so that explains why when Harry and Dumbledore show up, she doesn't look them in the eye and mm-hmm. she just kind of walks past them because a, she feels mega guilty in front of Harry. Like right. I'm the reason that your godfather's dead. Right. And she feels mega guilty in front of Dumbledore. Like I let down the head of the order of the Phoenix. Right. But she doesn't need to feel this way. Of course not. But you know, it's, I think she's a really interesting character because we see her at so far the other end of the spectrum in the last book. And now she just swings wildly to this other end of the spectrum. Like she, she kind of seems like one of those people that has a, a, I call it a setback, but you know what I mean? Like something is very big, but it totally throws them off their axis. Yeah. You know, anybody else like that? (laughs) Um, (laughs) let me think. Hmm. Could it be Mr. Wilson? Yes. (laughs) 
she also can't metamorph as well right yeah. now. Yeah. So she can't really change her appearance. This is why her hair is just kind of brown and like. Right. She's just not feeling herself, you know? And this is how we all are. Yeah. It's like when you're feeling really good, you wear a little bit more color, maybe a funkier shirt, yes. you know, something like that. Or maybe you kind of dress up a little. Yeah. And when you're feeling like crap, you're just like, eh, what does it matter? Time, you know? Yeah, exactly. I yeah. Mean, not me, but some people. Right. You would never be caught dead in sweatpants in public. No. Me, on the other hand, I will go out in sweatpants all day long, but they're going to be nice sweatpants. <laughs> Hello. So the, uh, the most important part of this entire chapter, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is Harry finally telling his friends about the prophecy. Absolutely. And this is what Dumbledore was telling him. Hey, man, you're going to need your friends. You yes. really need to let them know what's going on. I know it's going to worry them, mm-hmm. but they need to know. Mm-hmm. And so he tells them. And it's not like a, he doesn't make a huge deal of it, but he's like, hey, guys, I need to tell you something. Because they sort of inadvertently bring it up. Well, no one even knows what the prophecy said. He's like, yeah, actually I do. Because Dumbledore yeah. does. And he tells them basically, you know, one of us can't live while the other lives. Mm-hmm. For a, some amount of time. I mean, they're both living right now, so it's not, you know. Right. This is the whole gremlins. Don't feed them after midnight. It's always after midnight. No, what are you it's, about? if we go back and consult the prophecy, it makes sense. You're yeah. paraphrasing. Yeah. So, and he's pleasantly surprised that they're not like oh my god dude oh my god they don't start crying they're like okay well that's what the deal is like oh my god he's like, i'm gonna have to take this dude out and they're like no doubt dog we got you this really beautiful paragraph that i told myself i was like oh kev's gonna love this one too harry did not really listen a warmth was spreading through him that had nothing to do with the sunlight a tight obstruction in his chest seemed to be dissolving he knew that ron and hermione were more shocked than they were letting on but the mere fact that they were still there on either side of him, speaking bracing words of comfort, not shrinking from him as though he were contaminated or dangerous, was worth more than he could ever tell them. How beautiful is so that? So sweet. Oh, my They're God. They're great friends. They really are. But also, like, what does that tell you about? Harry just expects to be abandoned by everybody. Seriously, that's uh-huh. a really good point. All the time. He has a fear of abandonment. He really does. But he also was like, as a child... His parents got killed and he had to go live with these awful people. So, of course, he feels that. Of course. Who could blame him? I would, too. Hermione gets punched in the eye with Fred and George's telescope. Yeah, sneaky telescope. My God. So, they go downstairs. Well, let's go talk to to mom. Surely, she'll be able to get it out. She can't. She can't get the bruise to to move. But in the midst of all of this, Harry's like, oh, yeah, OWL results are coming today. Hermione proceeds to have a full-blown panic attack. Yeah. She's freaking She's staring out the window looking out. for owls. Oh, my God. And then there they come. And she, like, can't handle it. She's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't do this. I can't. I can't. Like, we all know that feeling, right? Yeah. And the owls arrive, and we get our OWL results. We know Harry's specifically. We end up kind of knowing, essentially, Ron's and Hermione's. Everyone did pretty well. Hermione did really well. I mean, Harry did the worst of the three of them, it seems like. No, I would say Ron did the worst. Yeah, I guess Ron did the worst. But it's we're looking at his report card. It's kind of what you'd think. It's good. He kind of didn't do great in potions class. Snape. Of course. He did really great in Defense Against the Dark Arts. Duh. Did okay in herbology. This is kind of like what you would expect he 
where he's at academically. Absolutely. The courses he didn't do well in, as in he didn't pass, were divination and history of magic, which... Right, which everybody sleeps through both of those classes anyways. Right. And his history of magic exam, don't forget, is the one where he had the vision of Sirius being held captive at the ministry. And the so divination he, class, he also like fell asleep and had a vision. Exactly. So he didn't even finish those exams. Oh my God, this was me in school. <laughs> You were having visions? Not, I could not stay awake. Oh my God. I would be in one of these big auditorium classes with like 125 students and I'm not, I would get so tired. I would get so sleepy sometimes that I would just leave the class. My God. I would just get up, grab my book bag and just walk out and then I'd go sit in my car and just fall asleep. Jesus Christ. My brother used to fall asleep standing up in the shower. I think he probably still does. He, he might still. Meanwhile, I... If I fall asleep somewhere other than the bed, there's something wrong with me. Like I'm probably sick. Like there's some, or I have a migraine or something. If I fall asleep somewhere unusual, it's because it's a day of the week that ends in Y. Exactly. It, it's a, it's a time of the day and it's a day of the week. That's yeah. why. Yeah, exactly. But overall, Harry's pleased with his grades, but he does realize something pretty major, which is that this is the end of his ambition to be an Auror because he won't be able to take the next level of potions. Yeah. Pretty sad. But he's kind of okay-ish with it. Yeah. I mean, his thought at the end is a really good point. He's like, I mean, I'm the fucking chosen one. Like, (laughs) you would think that that would like, you know, supersede a potions grade, but whatevs. Yeah. Yeah. This is like Picasso being like, oh, damn, I'm not going to be able to finish art school this summer. (laughs) Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Moving on to chapter six, Draco's Detour. You have become an announcer suddenly. Yes. Great. The first little bit's kind of the final weeks of summer. Yeah, so HP has been there for a little while now, a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And... There's all of this grim news yeah. coming up on the hills of HP's 16th birthday. Right. And like several people looking at you, Lupin and Bill, who cannot read the room. Like, God, drop a turd in the punch bowl. Why Jesus don't you? H. Christ. It's his birthday tea, which, by the way, I want a birthday tea. It's his birthday tea. And Lupin shows up and he's like, guess who's been murdered? Like, dude, dude. Dude. Oh, there have been so many Dementor attacks. Have you heard about all this stuff? This is awful. Man. Like this is Debbie Downer. He's such a Debbie Downer in this chapter. Harry, we're so proud of you. Happy 16th birthday. And congratulations on your OWLs. You've done such a wonderful job. Anybody hear about the Dementor attacks? (laughs) They did a pretty good job too. Sucking out souls. Yeah. So we find out that Karkaroff is dead. Karkaroff's dead. They found his body. She just brushes past this like pretty quick. Yep. As he abandoned the Death Eaters. He turned his back on the DE. Mm -hmm. And he got the RIP. Yes. And Lupin mentions like, I'm surprised he lasted this long because Sirius's brother Regulus only lasted a few days after he did the same thing. Yeah. Florian Fortescue, the owner of the ice cream shop. Piragua. 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 He he is the Piragua guy. Yeah. Oh my God. Why did you have to put that in my head? 
that like now I'm thinking. It's hotter that, than the islands are tonight. Oh my God. Lord Voldemort is trying to shut me, me down. down. And just for today, I got mommy. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, when I think about the Piragua guy being abducted, which in the movie will be Lin-Manuel Miranda himself. Yes. Not okay. Not okay. How and Chris dare Jackson you? is Mr. Softy, I think. Oh my God. I can't wait for that goddamn movie. I'm so happy. I don't I don't want to go into softy jokes, but um, <laughs> we also find out that so Florian Fortescue, his ice cream shop's boarded up. Yeah. He's gone. He's gone. Also, Ollivander. Yeah. Who makes the best wands in the entire wizarding world. Duh. He's gone. And Harry even asked, like, dude, where are we going to get our wands? Like, yeah, you have to get some knockoff shit wand from one of these other places. There are other wand makers besides Ollivander. Like the Dollar General wand. It's not necessarily like Ollivander's and Dollar General. Like, there this are other like wand makers. all the Home Depots and Lowe's closed <laughs> down and all you were left with was Harbor Freight. Uh, like, Harbor oh, Freight. This is going to break in two days. This wand's going to break as soon as I walk out of the parking lot. You know, uh, it, it's not, everyone's not stuck with like Harbor Freight wands. Right. Thanks to our sponsor, Harbor Freight Tools. Right. But Ollivander, there was no sign of a struggle. So they're like, we don't know if Ollivander left Maybe with he them. just like packed all his wands and got out of and, there. Right. Or if he was kidnapped, which I always think is so funny when kidnapped is used to talk about an adult. Yeah. Because like kid is in the name. Like just say abducted. But you can't <laughs> say adult nap because that's what we're about to do after this show. <laughs> Take an adult nap. Ayo. <laughs> Very good. We also find out Harry has been told that he's become a Quidditch captain. Isn't that lovely? Because he's King S of F Mountain now. Yes. And he gets a little badge and he gets to use the prefect's bathroom, even though it's not called the prefect's and Quidditch captain's bathroom. How hard would it be to not hate this kid if you went to school with him? I would be so mad at him, probably. Was it? Were you around the other night when we were talking about people that... You should hate, but you can't because they're wonderful people. No, that was your other wife. This is me and my friends outside. We mm -hmm. were talking about how, have you ever gone to school with someone who's like really handsome? Yes. Really popular? Yes. All the parents like them. Yes. They're also very charming, but they do really well in school, really yes. well in athletics. And you're like, oh my God, dude, is there anything you're not good at? Could I you, hate this person. Could you suck at something? And then you meet them and they're just a wonderful gem of a person. And you're like, well, they're, that's something else they're good at. Yes. I went to high school with a girl named Erin and she was, there was like a rumor that started in high school that she was the Gerber baby. I still don't know if that's true or not. Probably not. No, that's a classic. You know what else is a classic? What? The Sunbeam girl. Oh. Sunbeam bread. Like my friend Tyson oh. growing up, him and his mom, his mom verified this, that she was the Sunbeam girl. <gasps> She's like, I was the Sunbeam girl. When I was a little girl, I entered this contest. They took my picture and we're like, oh my God. As I got older, I was like, let me Google this. It's like a thing that people say. What? It's a common prank to say like, yeah, I was the Sunbeam girl. Okay. Well, I really don't think she started this about herself. Like, but this is just a rumor. Or maybe it was like the Morton Salt girl. But all of it, like the timelines like don't track. The drawing of a little girl in the rain. Yeah. The timelines like don't track no. on it. Or maybe Coppertone. I don't remember. Oh, God, it's a little like, bum coming yeah, out. Yeah, with the little bum. But... You know, I went to a private school and there were a lot of like super rich families at the school. I was not one of them, but, you know, so it, it, it sort of like fit, right? Like if she had been, you know, 
the fucking Morton Salt heiress or something. Anyway, right. yeah. But she was really good at tennis, which was my sport too. We, so we were on the same tennis team, but she was a couple years ahead of me. So we were only on the same team for a year or two before she graduated. She was super popular. Everybody loved her. Was she she pretty was good too? at everything. She was like really cute, pretty, like that kind of, you know. Yeah. And she also happened to be really nice. Yeah. And she, so if she was a couple years ahead of me, she was right in between my brother and I, because my brother was four years ahead of me. And this is one of the few people that my brother and I both thought was pretty cool. Because usually the people I thought were cool, my brother was like, are you kidding me? That guy's a tool. Right. I can see that. You know, but with her, we both liked her. So yeah, I definitely know the type. She was the Harry Potter of my school. Oh my God. (laughs) Hope you have a good tennis match, (laughs) Paul. And I was the Draco. I'm just kidding. I wasn't. So it's off to Diagon Alley because they have to get supplies for school. Yes. This happens every year. You have to get your books. You have to get your new robes. Yes. Good luck on wands. Let's not skip over the fact that right before Diagon Alley, Bill hands Harry his money. He's like, I got this for you because of security. And can we talk about the fact that someone was goosed by a probity probe? Yeah, said he got probity (laughs) probed in his... his, uh, Have uh, fun. Okay, yeah, there you go. Enjoy Diagon Alley. So the reason Bill gives them the money is because it's taking people weeks to get their money out of the bank. Yeah. This is like in times of great stress, people pull a lot of money out of the bank. This happened after 9-11. People withdrew money out of their accounts because they feel insecure about the future. Yeah, it's why the stock market fluctuates with current events. Bill's like, hey, I'll work out there. I'll go ahead and get your money for you. Also, like, who can just, like, grab someone's money and then be like, oh, I'm going to give it to them. Someone who works for Gringotts. Bill's above board. Bill is above board. Board, he is. And also, like, Harry's not one of the super high security vaults. Remember, there's, like, different levels of security. So, like, you know. But there is high security around Harry himself. Yeah. So the ministry has provided, like, nice cars to come pick them up. Hell yes. They're going to be protection, probably Mm -hmm. oars, when they get to Diagon Alley Mm -hmm. to follow them around. Harry's kind of like, oh, God, like, really, dude? Yeah. Um, But so they go. Yes. They ride in the nice ministry limo and everything. They get there, and it's not Orr's. It's Hagrid. It's Hagrid. That's his security. He gives Harry a big old hug. He, like, crushes his ribs. Yeah. Bless him. Oh, my God. I freaking love Hagrid. And he's immediately like, Buckbeak, I mean, Witherwings, is so happy to be the fresh air. And that, like, he's gushing oh over his giant horse bird anytime the audience gets kind of worried and she's made us feel a little bit worried she always pops Hagrid up to be like hey everything's gonna be fine it's a really good point yeah. yeah Hagrid is definitely a um like a what is the phrase like a honing honing what is it honing beacon honing signal Ho- honing beetle what is it hmm. <laughs> it's I'll google it fucking a You can keep talking. (laughs) You don't have to wait for me to Google it. So they go into the robe shop. What is it called? Birkin and Burks? Borgen and Borks? No, we're not at Borgen Borgen and Borks. Bad Bed Bath and Borkin and Body Burks? 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 It's called Madame Malkins. Oh, that's what I meant to say. (laughs) So Harry Potter, Ron... Hermione and Hagrid go to Madame Malkin's for new robes. 
and Jenny and Molly go off to do something else. They go to flourish and blots with Mr. Weasley to get to go ahead and get the books because it's Arthur's idea. Like, hey, we've got a lot of stuff to buy. Let's split up. Let's split up, which is very wise. (laughs) Molly, of course, is incredibly hesitant to do this, but ultimately it's like, okay, and she's going to fret the whole time, but it'll be okay. So they go into Malkin's and they hear this unmistakable voice that they recognize. And it's like, stop sticking me with a pin woman. (laughs) Don't waste it robes. (laughs) And it's Draco in there with his mama, Narcissa. His mama. R.I.P. the actress that played Narcissa. Helen McCrory. Did you see Tom Felton's really beautiful words that he said on Facebook and Twitter? It's going to make me cry. It was really, really nice. Oh, I've got to look that up. Um, He said she suffered no fools. Oh, I believe that. You can just tell by, she's fierce, you know. So there's this little exchange where Draco's like, oh, what's that smell? I guess it's a mudblood just walking in the store. (laughs) In it. In it. (laughs) And Hermione and Harry, like, straight up pull their wands out. Like, what's up, man? You trying to go? Like, you know, I I think it's Ron and Harry because Hermione's like, guys. Oh, yeah, really that's okay. right. Yeah. Don't worry about it. She's trying to be the voice. But they of pull reason. wands out. Like, what's up, dude? Hell We're yes. not messing with you anymore. We don't play games with you anymore. Absolutely. And Narcissa says to Harry at one point, Dumbledore won't always be there to protect you. Because mm-hmm. he says, like, yeah, maybe you'll enjoy being an Azkaban with your piece of shit husband. It's, bitch. He doesn't exactly said, not prod I said, shit. I said, bitch. <laughs> I said, I said, bitch. <laughs> but you said that. You actually said that, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally yeah. said that. God, key and be I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. And so there's this little exchange. And Harry's like mouthing off to Narcissa. She's Big sort time. of mouthing off back. And then she goes back to like, hmm, starts doing the little robes again. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of like, you know what? I don't even want to shop here anymore. Right. If you're going to let these type of people in here, we'll just go over to what's it called? Like Saks Fifth Avenue or something. It, t- tatter. Oh, I can't remember the twid- twiddle and tatter wings or something. Right. It's, you know, it's yeah. something like that. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, we expect this from. Narcissa and Draco, especially, but they were like especially the worst. Yeah. In this, I mean, Narcissa is making death threats to a child, so that's awesome. You know, it, Harry. Yes, Harry's mouthing off, but he's the child. You're the adult, Narcissa. Even if you're an evil wench, like maybe don't threaten a child in public. Yeah. And your people killed my godfather. Right. You know, it's she's just the last time we saw Narcissa. I gave her winner that week because of her fierce protection over her son, you know, and she's actually showing emotion, which was interesting. But then we see her again and she's the mask is back on. Yeah. You know, she's back to being this. I said, bitch. (laughs) She's pure evil. She really is the worst. But the bad mood is not going to stick around long because next stop Fred and George's shop, or I think it's technically Ilop's Owl Emporium, but you know, yeah, Fred and George's shop. Let's talk about it. It seems like so much fun. There's so all these little gadgets and things whizzing around. Yeah, there's all these different jokes, stuff that they remember them working on when they were younger, yeah. like the sniveling whatevers. Out of everything that was mentioned, what do you think you would want the most? I think I would want to go back to the little like Muggle magic are you place and effing just kidding get me like a stupid like a finger chopper or something like that you would get one of the muggle magic tricks yeah. and that's so lame i really like the like daydream maker 
thing. Oh, yeah. Hermione's really kind of like way too attracted to this, which makes me wonder like if she's got a future of like addiction or something. She's also really impressed by their skill too. It's like, yeah, you might drool a little bit in class and kind of like nod off a bit, but you can have a 30 minute, like totally awesome daydream. I mean, there's definitely a lot to say there about like escaping reality and it sounded, it reminded me of some of my days in high school. Well, sure. And like, you know, Fred and George business is good. The store is totally packed and they're geniuses and they're executing things well. But at the same time, like you have to kind of ask yourself, okay, these are all new products. It's as though the pharmaceutical industry was like, surprise, here are all of these new medications. No FDA approval. No FDA approval. No track record for us to know what kind of side effects happen. Go nuts. You know, and it's- It's packed. Business is good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're doing well. They're doing well. And they've even recently kind of landed a big- contract, I guess, with the Ministry of Magic. Yeah, they go into the back room, the adult section of the joke shop. Not the adult section, right. but like the more serious section. And they're like, section. here's some things that we've been working on, some gags and stuff that actually might be useful in protecting us all from yes. the evil. Like shield hats and shield gloves. I mean, it's it's brilliant. They created it kind of as a as a gag. And then the ministry took notice and they purchased, I mean, what was it like 500 of them or 5,000? A lot of government contractors now. Yeah. It's, it's really, I mean, they're super successful. I love that they tell Harry, you can have anything you want, man, just take it on the house. And he's like, no, what are you talking about? That's crazy. Like, dude, you're the reason we have this shop. Yes. 96 galleons. (laughs) They do the proverbial, your money's no good here. Yeah. But then when Ron tries to pay, they're like, what's up, dude, pay up. (laughs) We'll knock off the the canut. Right. You know, it's ridiculous. And then Fred and George proceed to slut shame their little sister. Let's talk about this. Yeah, they're like, I think that you've, it sounds to me like you've had like five dudes. And she was like, is it true that you're dating Dean Thomas? She was like, yes, that's one dude. Yeah. Yeah. I love her response to this. I hate that she's in this position in the first place. Also, Mr. Weasley and Mr. Weasley why do you have these gendered ass products? It's like, oh, you haven't seen the girls section and like everything's, everything's pink. Everything's pink and all about coercing people to fall in love with you. Like just yeah. F off twins yeah. with that section of but your Jenny's store. Jenny's like, hmm, how long does this, how does this work? <laughs> They're like, it works for like 24 hours. Like, oh. But then she, you know, she moves on and she ultimately tells them, none of this is your business. You know, like get up out of my business. Yeah. This is ridiculous. So then they spot the golden trio spots Malfoy walking alone down the street. And they're like, Oh, he must've gave his mom the shake, you know, like he must've just like dipped off from her. Yeah. Like, where's this kid going? Hey, let's go. They throw the invisibility cloak on. They hit the streets and I'm like, are they about to like corner this kid and like beat him up? He would deserve it, but sure. So they follow him down to Nocturne Alley. Mm-hmm. And he goes to Borgen and Burks. Yes. Bed, bath, and Borgen work. <laughs> and this was the first time I was like, oh, this is what that place is at yes. Universal. Yeah. Which is like down by the bathrooms and beside the place where you can get the plush fox. Yes. You walk down that little alleyway and it's a tiny little shop. Yeah. For a theme park store, it's, it's really tiny. Little. I mean, it's the size of like. It's smaller than a gas station. It's smaller than a convenience store. Oh, definitely. But the sky in Nocturne Alley is different. 
Like yeah. it's covered, but it looks like a dark sky. And they don't really advertise it. You just kind of stumble into it. You down have to kind of know alley. where it is. And like, it, everything in there is like dark marks, Slytherin, yeah. skulls and mm-hmm. all this stuff. But remember, this is not the first time we've seen Borgen and Burks. Because the very first time as readers we encountered Borgen and Burks was the beginning of book two. Hey, look at that. There's another little mirror mm-hmm. image here, you know, a, a visit to Borgen and Burks. So just, you know, keep these little circular moments in mind. So Draco goes into the store. They can't follow him in there. So they use an extendable ear mm-hmm. and they're listening. And tell us about the exchange between Draco and the shopkeeper. So here's what we know at the end of this exchange. We know that Draco needs something fixed, but it's not something he can bring to the shop or for some reason he can't bring the thing that he needs fixed to the shop. He makes a threatening statement, gesture, something to Borgen at some point. He threatens him in some way, but the trio can't really see or or hear what he does. And the third thing is that he needs something that's currently in the shop to not be sold to anyone, to just be held there, yeah. basically. Yeah. And that's really all we know. Am I missing anything? He says to the shopkeeper, perhaps this will make you more confident. Yeah. He moved towards Borgen and was blocked from view by the cabinet. Harry, Ron, and Hermione shuffled sideways to try and keep him in sight, but all they could see was Borgen looking very frightened. Tell anyone, said Malfoy, and there will be retribution. You know Fenrir Greyback? He's a family friend. He'll be dropping in from time to time to make sure you're giving the problem your full attention. Have you encountered that name before or no? Yeah. You have. Okay. I could not remember if you had or not. When did you encounter that name? Can't remember. Okay. All right. Yeah. So he he needs something mended and something reserved. Yes. Something mended, something reserved, and he makes some kind of threat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he leaves, walks right past them in the invisibility cloak. Hermione's like, hold my beer. Oh, my God. So she walks in and she's like, hey, what's up? Cool shop. So, so I was looking for something for a friend of mine, Draco, and I was just wondering what it was that he like put on reserve because I don't want to get him the same thing if he's buying it for himself already. It's a terrible story. Yeah, and it's- the dude is like, "Get the hell out of my <laughs> shop!" and puts the closed door on the side, like the she, closed sign on the door. I mean, she might as well have walked in and be like, "Hey, bruh." That kid that just left, we were eavesdropping on everything he said. And how about you go ahead and just tell me what it was? Like, she's a terrible spy. Yeah, but these kids are so much more confident and cocky than they used to be. My God. Yeah. And of course, she gets back and Ron's like, oh, yeah, great job. And Hermione's like, I'd like to see you try James Bond. She doesn't call him James Bond, but still. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not one of Hermione's gifts. Let's just put it that way. Espionage, info gathering, not a gift of hers. And that's it. Those are our two chapters. You did notice that the next chapter is called The Slug Club. Yeah, which I thought, oh, God, that was us this morning. Yeah, because we call each other slugs if we're like having like a lazy day. And that comes from my mom, because when we were growing up, if you were just like laying around the house, she would say, oh, you're like a slug. Yeah. Don't be such a slug. Or she'll say to me. I feel like kind of a slug. I've been kind of a slug today. Yep. Means you're just laying around. Which is great sometimes. What Heather Bevel's husband refers to as tree frogging. Tree frogging. (laughs) 
dying to know what your prophecy is after these two chapters. So my prophecy and my marriage lesson both come from Fred and George's joke shop. Interesting. So my prophecy is, I think that this is not a throwaway chunk of information that Fred and George have been making this stuff for the ministry. Okay. I think that their skills will end up being an integral part in fighting the Great War. Love that. Amazing. And how cool would that be? A major role. I I love that journey for them and that journey for you. Thanks. (laughs) Well, what's your Fred and George's joke shop, Hedwig's Digital Get Down Hoot? Oh, I love it. That's like a silly, funny, jokey thing. That's fantastic. Yeah. So our Hedwig's Digital Get Down is not an audio file today. Uh, It's an email from Katie, and she sent this to us admittedly quite a while ago. It got buried under a few emails. And then once I had revisited it, I wanted to make sure I had her permission to share this email, which I do. And this was regarding the lost prophecy. So here's what she said. I, I just thought this was so interesting. As I've mentioned once before, I work as a therapist at a residential treatment center for adolescent boys. Most of the boys I work with have extensive trauma histories and are at high risk for future dangerous or aggressive behaviors. I would say that most of my kids are like Harry, but with a lot less coping skills. They need connection and support, but they frequently lash out at those closest to them. I completely agree with what both of you were saying about Dumbledore really stepping in it when he tried to tell Harry that he knows how he feels. But I think Harry's reaction goes deeper than that. I think all of us, and kids especially, show our worst selves to the people that we trust the most. People we know will not abandon us despite our lashing out. Harry is furious, but I also think he behaves like this because he knows deep down that Dumbledore cares for him. And no matter how many belongings he destroys, Dumbledore will continue to show up for him despite that. We also know that Harry feels incredible guilt in that moment because he feels responsible for all that's transpired. Harry also remarks at how he hates that Dumbledore was sitting there calmly as he smashed his stuff and that it makes him even angrier. In those moments when we feel so much shame, we don't want others to see us. Dumbledore sees Harry in this chapter. It becomes easier for Harry to lash out to Dumbledore because he knows that Dumbledore is seeing the shame and guilt he is holding rather than turn that anger inward towards himself. She had one final question, but I want to get your thoughts on that first. Wow, very insightful. And thanks for sharing your what you do for a living. And yeah. thanks for doing that for a job. I'm sure it's very, very mentally and emotionally taxing. Absolutely. But it's good, solid work. For sure. But what do you think about this idea that we lash out to the most to the people we're closest to. Absolutely. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. A thousand percent. Because it is so much of a safer environment to show what you're truly feeling as ugly as that might be. I don't know if I've ever really understood why, because I've seen people do this, like lash out at the people that they're closest to. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, why would they lash out to the people that they're closest to, mm-hmm. but she provides some really good insight with, well, it's a safe place because they're not going to abandon you. Yes. It, it just, it's such a, a perfect email really, because yeah, she's putting her finger right on a lot of things that have been, I, I feel like just beneath the surface of understanding for me. And I was like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. So Katie, you should write a book because I would love to read a whole book of your wisdom and yeah. insight. So then she had this last question and this was for me specifically 
but please feel free to chime in. My question to Amanda is if you have found moments in the series that strike you as parallels to your career in addiction and psychology, which, yeah, definitely. And what I, I kind of typed out some notes for myself. So I apologize if it sounds like I'm reading because I am. So overall, I think that I take a more understanding perspective to Harry than most for this reason, because I just I think that a lot of times I cut Harry a lot more slack than I do a lot of other fans of the series, just because I go, this kid is so traumatized. Like, I feel like I can understand his behavior a little bit more. Um. And I, I wrote down, it's also probably why I hold the adults in the series to such high standards that they often fail to meet, probably unfairly, because, you know, I think from a psychological perspective, I'm, I hold the adults to this, you're supposed to be wise and you're supposed to have insight into yourself because I feel like I do. And yeah, yeah. that's, it's not very, it's not very fair of me. And the last thing I'll say is that specifically, I think my work with addiction is one of the biggest reasons why Lupin is my favorite character, because I've been asked that a lot. When someone faces stigma in such an extreme way, it's easy and understandable to become a person who hurts other people. If the world is against you, why believe anything good about anyone? But it's an incredible show of fortitude to still be a good person in this situation, to still be kind and protective of others, for example. You know, that's people go, why is Lupin your favorite character? I'm like, because he has every reason to be a shitbag and he's not. Wow, that's very insightful. I think that's kind of why I'm so obsessed with the history of people in the carnival sideshows. Yeah. That were, you know, kidnapped and brutalized and all, had all these things done to them. Yes. But still gave the world something good. Yeah. It's like John Merrick, like the elephant man. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, yeah. had every reason in the world to just like give up on life or to be angry or whatever. And apparently he was a very kind, wonderful yeah. dude. Andre the Giant. Yeah. Someone else who kind of, you know, took what was seemingly this morphological difference that everyone would judge him for and turned it into a positive and became a hero and had a good influence on people's lives. I love that. Yeah. And it's, you know, in this chapter and in chapter six, we see this sign right at the beginning of the chapter on one of the shops that's like selling these amulets. And it's like, protect yourself against dementors, werewolves and in fury. And in my head, I'm like, God, what does that feel like for Lupin to see that? Because he's being lumped in with dementors who are not even human and in fury who are zombies. They're animated corpses. And he is an individual who is considered just as dangerous as those two things and needs to be protected against. And yet he's still kind. And I mean, he's a bit of a downer in this chapter, but, you know, he's still kind. He's still a good person. He's still fighting for what's right. Yeah. It's very insightful. Yeah. So thank you, Katie. That's a really amazing email. I just loved it. There are a lot of things in this series that really call on you to use your empathy mm-hmm. and put yourself in someone else's shoes and give people the benefit of the doubt, which it's, it's ironic in a very sad way that the author has certain views that she has now. <laughs> Considering she has such insight, it seems through the series into empathy. Yes. But that's, you know, we could do a thousand episodes on that. Topic. I We'd know. Never get anywhere. I know. It, I'm, I'm with you. I'm completely with you.
it's time for marriage lessons. Love is the greatest. Oh, is this your new song for marriage lessons? I just made it up. It's just a one sentence song. It's really beautiful. I really love it. That's great. I'm up first, actually. So my marriage lesson comes from Molly and Arthur at the top of chapter five in their cute moment. And it's, you know, I don't know that there's instruction in this marriage lesson, but nicknames are a foundational part of our relationship. That's the marriage lesson. So they're so important, in my opinion. We should never lose them. Yeah. We should never let go of them. I really don't think we ever will because it feels strange to me to call you Kevin. You've never called me Kevin (laughs) in my entire life. Since I've known you for over a decade, I've never heard you say Kevin. Right. I've heard you refer to me to other people and you say Kev. Oh, yeah. Well, Kev, you know, is growing tomatoes in the garden or whatever that you say. Yeah. But you always call me Honey Bun. Honey Bun or Honey or Sugar Plum. Or usually Honey Bun. Honey Bun. Yes. You're in my phone as Honey Bun Wilson. Yeah, or and sweets. I, I'm in your phone as Amanda Young, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which is so insulting. <laughs> my God, I should revoke your honey bun. Yeah, so that's my marriage lesson. Simple. What's yours? Mine, like I said, goes back to Fred and George's joke shop. Yeah. And back to the same thing, the serious part of their joke shop where they're making these you know, things that could be used by the ministry and by the public for protection against the Dark Lord. Sure. And that is, use your talents for good. Yes. We should always remember to use our talents for good. Also, Fred and George, this is one of these typical situations in which this is the thing that gets Fred and George in trouble. Right. This is what the teachers hate them for. This is like the famous comedian that was always a class clown. Yeah. But they take that skill and they... Do something good with it. Yes. And so you see that Fred and George are not just, you know, hell on wheels. Let's just go crazy. Everything's a joke because it seems a lot of times like, come on, guys, can you like get it together? Why does everything have to be a joke? Right. They do have a sense of justice. They do have a sense of seriousness. Absolutely. And they understand that they have a role to play. Yes. And so I think that's what we need to remember as partners. Yes. To use our talents for good. And there's a lot of things that you think are maybe not that great. Maybe you're not that great at it. Mm -hmm. Or maybe that that talent is not very useful. Yes. But you don't know how much that might benefit somebody else. Absolutely. Oh, that's just lovely. I, I think solid job by both of us. Well, before winners and losers, Patronus moments, Marauder shout outs, wanna roll the credits? Yes. The episode will be right back. First, I wanted to take a second and tell you more about connecting with us and supporting the show. Following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is the best way to stay updated on our upcoming chapters for the week, special events and announcements, recaps of the prophecy and marriage lessons from the latest episode, and more. You can find us on Instagram at the Fox and the Foxhound, on Twitter at Fox and Foxhound, know these, and at Facebook.com slash the Fox and the Foxhound. If you'd like to chat with us and with other listeners, or Foxies as they've been christened, join us on Discord. Just head to our website, thefoxandthefoxhound.com, and click the Join Us on Discord button right there on the home screen. 
we're getting ready to give our Marauder patron shout outs for the week, and you too could join that list. This show is funded solely by our patrons. Thank you, patrons. So if you like what we do and want to help us continue to do it, Patreon is the most direct way to show your support. Membership levels range from $1 to $20 a month and come with great benefits, including early episode release, exclusive patrons-only Discord channels, and even digital art, which is new this season. Check it out at patreon.com slash thefoxandthefoxhound. Finally, we want to thank two special people, Judson Hurd, who composed the original theme for our show. You can find out more about Judson and his music at judsonherd.com, J-U-D-S-O-N-H-U-R-D.com. And our manager of mischief, dungeon master, and brother from another mother, Josh Bailey. Be sure to check out Josh's ongoing D&D campaign, Casting Roles, on YouTube and Twitch. Okay, let's get back to the episode. Okay, it's that time. Actually, before Winners and Losers, I did look up the honing. I was thinking of a honing beacon, which is like a device that like has a, a pair and it finds each other, like, you know. But also, I was conflating it with a honing signal or honing in on something, which is actually incorrect because it should be a homing right. signal. And actually it's not a honing beacon. It's a homing beacon. Right. And I have literally been using that wrong my entire life. I'm not surprised. Oh, excuse me. We also had a debate last night about the phrase giving up the ghost. I was like, what dying? And that's not what it means to me. It means to stop trying to do something because you're not going to be successful. Weird. I'd never heard that version of it. And I had never heard it referred to as dying. Very strange. Very strange. Anyway. So we stopped doing dad jokes, yeah. but I made a great dad joke today. <sighs> oh God. What is it? So before we recorded, I was over at my buddy John's backyard and he was trying to give me a plant that had like produced babies, a banana tree. And he was trying to like get it out of this pot. And he was like, damn it. Where's my little spade? Where's my little spade? He couldn't find it. He's like looking around. He's looking in the shed. He's like, God, I don't know where it is. So he goes up front, goes in the front yard and finds it. And he comes back and he's like, I found it. I said, I guess it was just a matter of trowel and error. That's disgusting and horrible. That's awful. I thought it was going to incorporate calling a spade a spade or something. That's where I thought you were going with it. Hey, John. Hey, John. (laughs) On Instagram earlier, I saw a picture of a very recent in the past week picture of James Taylor Mm. And Dave Matthews. Cute. Together. Are they on a, buds? On a ski slope. Yeah. Oh, it makes sense that they're buddies. I'm and not I was surprised. Like, I can't look at this picture. I'm going to start crying. Right. Yeah, you would. Okay. Who is your winner? <laughs> Molly Weasley. Molly Weasley. Why? Because she just is Mama Hen and she takes care of everybody. Yeah. And she's tampering down her own fears to provide it for her family, which is what moms do. Yes, she is. She, a mother hen. I love it. My winner. Fleur de la Coeur. Oh, giving it to Fleur. I'm giving it to Fleur. I'm giving it to Fleur for not being phased by the palpable dislike that the other women in the house are throwing her way. Or at the very least, for still putting on a smile. You know, I was especially struck by the moment when they're pulling away in the ministry cars for Diagon Alley and Bill and Fleur are waving from the window. Like, I just feel like Fleur is like, I know these bitches don't like me. I'm going to hold my head up anyway. 
I'm trying to fit in with his family. Yeah. I, mean, I kind of feel for her now that you put it that way. And that's really hard to do. And so I just yeah. think that Fleur's a badass. All right. Who's your loser? Jenny. I almost gave it to Jenny. She's kind of yeah. such a hater and a little bit of a brat. She's, it's not a great look I for her. I almost gave it to Fred and George for slut shaming Jenny. Right. I Just the Weasleys are like not batting a thousand right. this week at all. I almost gave it to Jenny, but in the end... I gave it to Ron, mm. you know, Ron for having far too many opinions about grown women's looks, you know, um, <laughs> and for, you know, essentially saying that Tonks would have no right to be grieving serious and, and just feel it, you know, it's, it's also, by the way, Ron, Harry just met him too. Ron needs to think before he talks sometimes. Ron needs to stop. Talk th- less, smile more. Exactly. That's what he needs to do. Exactly. I think that Ron also needs to, 16-year-old boy or not, that doesn't cover all your sins. I think that Ron also needs to remember that he does not know everything about the world. Right. And he's a child. Anyway. It's time for Patronus Moments. Oh, sweet. I think people are really liking this new segment. I think so too. And we have a new, because it was Chris White's idea, we have a new channel in Discord devoted to Patronus Moments so that the folks in our Discord can also submit their own. And what a great little gratitude journal it is for all of us on there. So wonderful. So I want to hear your Patronus Moment from the past week. Okay, so mine is admittedly a little heavy. But the day that this episode goes live will be one year since my mom passed away. The 20th. The 20th. Yeah. And, you know, I've I've been trying to, like, toe this line of going, you know, I'm not going to tell myself that it's going to be a horrible day because then it's for sure going to be a horrible yeah. day because I expect it to be. But I also want to, like, be realistic with myself about yeah. how hard it might be. And I feel like I've been doing a good job of it. But I noticed that this past week I've had at least one or two of those like memories of my mom that made me actually kind of laugh. And that's new. Yeah. I've been having some of those about your mom lately too. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just because that year is coming up or just, you know, the passage of time you start having those moments. And I, I feel like I'm, they're not all of my moments when it comes to thinking about my mom are, they're not a hundred percent painful. Like, I'm starting to have moments creep in that are not just pure pain. And isn't that truly what a Patronus is? Yeah. Isn't it cut through the dark reality of life? Yes. And give you a new way to look at things? I always say I got this tattoo on my forearm, Expecto Patronum, about six months before my mom got sick. And I was, I had many moments after she was sick or after the onset of her illness where I was like, thank God I got this tattoo because it forced, it was this visual reminder constantly to do exactly what you said. I was thinking about her yesterday because I know the anniversary is coming up and she's been on my mind lately. And I was thinking, you know, sometimes you think, well, you know, what would, they wouldn't want me to be sad. You know, that whole thing, like they wouldn't want me to be sad. They would want me to be happy and all this stuff. And I just was thinking about how your mom was like really self-deprecating about yes. her looks all the time. Yes. Like, oh God, why would you miss me? 
<laughs> I'm fat. I'm ugly. Why would you miss? You know, look at this blouse. Oh my God. This thing is so awkward. I don't even know why I hate this blouse. Like, and also like, there's another part of me that feels like my mom would also be like, Paul, you miss me a little bit. You know, pump the brakes on that shit. So that's a good one. Yeah. That's a great one. So what's your Patronus moment for this week? So my Patronus moment is probably not going to surprise you very much, mm. but my doctor with my broken ankle cleared me to start riding a bicycle. Again. Yes. I got my MRI results, which were great. And it just says it's a sprained ankle, no torn tendon, nothing crazy. Thank goodness. Um, but I said, when can I try to ride a bike again? He said, today, right now. Amazing. It's the best thing you could do for yourself. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Because I love riding bikes. Yes. One of my favorite things in the whole world is to ride bikes. Yeah. And two, I haven't had any exercise in two months now. Right. No cardio, nothing to like boost my mood. Right. So the day that he told me, I didn't do it that night, but the very next day, which was by the time this episode drops, will be almost a week to the date. Yeah. I was like, all right, I'm going to try it. So I got my friend Jackie to come over with her bike. And I was like, you know what? I'll just hop on it. If it hurts, I'll hop back off. I won't right. get my hopes up. Yeah. Hopped on it. Totally fine. Absolutely. Completely, totally fine. Also, it's really helping my ankle mobility. Yes. And it has instantly improved my mood. So my Patronus moment was when I hopped on my bike, waved to you that I was fine, and then took off down the street. And felt the wind in my face and was just like, oh, my God, I've got my fun thing back. And I had such gratitude for just owning a bicycle and having the ability to ride a bicycle again and all of the things that you take for granted. Absolutely. You know, even in the past year, the things that we've taken for granted because of COVID and everything. Absolutely. Like last night we were, me and my friends were talking around the fire and we were like, you know, what's fun is go-karts. Mm. Like, oh, I love go-karts. You like go-karts? Yes, I love go-karts. Oh, my God. I wonder if they're – are go-karts open again? We're like, yeah. I think oh. go-karts are open again. Then we started talking about mini golf. Okay. And we started to just remember all of these things that have been closed for so long that we just kind of like – Forgot existed. Forgot existed, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's my Patronus moment, riding I my bicycle. It. You really have seen a lot of improvement since you started riding your bike just yep. in those like four or five days from I the time you started. I rode two miles before we recorded today. Yep. This is on my Earth Cruiser going mega slow. Yeah. And when we get off of here, I'm throwing my book bag on and I'm back out on my bike again. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. I'm not a, I'm not a go-kart fan. I do like a golf cart, though. I bet you do. I love golf carts. I want to get a neighborhood golf cart. Okay, let's shout out our marauders. Are you ready for this? What is the topic? What are each of our marauders buying from Fred and George's shop? I thought it was going to have something to do with this. Yes. Now, this can be something that was mentioned in the text as being carried there, or it can just be something that you feel like Fred and George probably would carry. Something that I just make up. Yes, absolutely. Either way. So let's start with our newest marauder, Sinja Jorgensen. Sinja. I think Sinja is going to get some extendable ears. Yeah. Yes. They're so handy, right? How about Amy Sophia Mayer? Amy of Ramblin' Ravenpuff's fame. Yeah. I think Amy would get a special 
thing that would translate any language because she already speaks multiple languages. Yeah. And so this would be like an ear or something, something you can put in your ear and you could understand any language that anyone's saying. Oh my God, that's fantastic. I want one of those. How about Austin Scroggins? Austin's going to get a bunch of like gag stuff that you can pull on other people, like jelly beans that turn your mouth or like hot gum or something like that. Those are the types of things that they sell at Wings also, by the way, just to come full circle. How about Hannah Gibb? The Bovaneta. The Bovaneta. Hannah's going to get some kind of like little musical instrument. Cute. Like a little flute, a little magical flute. Oh or God. like a tiny trumpet that sounds like a really loud trumpet. What was that SNL sketch we were watching? It was the, what, oh, who was hosting that week? It was like the video where they were like, me and my little flute. Yeah, it's, we were watching it together and laughing. Clearly you have no memory of this. Okay, so that's great. Good. How about Lexi Phage? Lexi. Lexi's going to get something that will turn like a crappy old plant into a beautiful flower. How nice. My God. Speaking of that, I need to plant my little mini Monstera. Michael Terry. Michael's going to get something from the serious side. Ooh, back you think so? Back in the back, the adult section. Like that instant darkness powder? Yeah, or... something that's going to protect him from the evil because Michael Terry's ready to fight the war for justice. Absolutely. Pete Collins. Pete. Pete's going to get the tiniest record player in the world. How So he cute. can play My Heart Breaks for You. My God, do they make you know that old joke? Oh yeah. Well, no, I, I've always heard um the tiniest violin. Tiniest violin playing hearts and flowers. Oh really? Yeah. That's another one of those weird like differences. Very strange. But yeah, Pete likes music, so I think he's gonna get a tiny little record player so he can listen to actual vinyl in a, but in a tiny little packet. Because he's a wizard, he can make vinyl that he already has very tiny yeah. to go with his new tiny yeah. vinyl record player. Fantastic. How about Ben Clark? Ben's going to get a magical beard oil. Ooh, what does it do? It makes his beard change colors, whatever color he wants it to. Oh my God. Like Tonks, kind of. What color would Ben's beard be? Probably like the Sixers or something, their colors. I Yeah, I think he would just change it every day, like yeah. Tonks. Yeah, I think that'd be amazing. It would always be like sports related, probably. Absolutely. I could see him with a big old like red, gold, and green like Rasta beard. That'd be fantastic. How about Heather Bevels? She would get like um, something that has to do with the new baby, probably like an instant refillable milk bottle that just refills itself. Jesus, I bet that would just be revolutionary. Yeah. I got to feed that baby a whole bottle. I th- I'm going to go see the baby this week. Sweet, yes. you're going to love her. I can't wait. I think she I'm going on Tuesday. Well, most babies do. Yeah. yeah, little baby farts are cute though. It's you just feel like a little rumble. Yeah. At their bum. And you're like, oh, I wonder if that came with poop. <laughs> well, good thing she's wearing a diaper. We forgot to talk about the uh, the <laughs> the no poo stuff. You know poo? You know poo. Jesus Christ. Fred and, and Molly's like, they're going to get murdered in their beds. Yeah. <laughs> like, she is not okay with this. My God. How about Dean Heath? Dean's going to get some sort of time stopper because he's such a busy guy. Mm-hmm. Something that will stretch out an hour or stretch out a day so he has more time to do the million and one things that he needs to do. Definitely. I need one of those. Vicky Gutherless. Vicky and Rick. Vicky and Rick. They bring you up when you feel down and sick. Oh, that's so nice. Vicky and Rick are going to get this powder that you can put in somebody's drink that will instantly turn them in a good mood. 
oh God, can I drink some? I'm just kidding. I'm in a totally fine mood. Kara Heller, which I want to sing her name to the tune that we used to sing Heather Bevel's Kara Heller. Kara Heller. I'm on a highway to Heller. <laughs> old Heller. Old, old Heller. Yeller. Oh my God. She's not old. She's not old. She's wonderful. Yes. Kara's going to get basically like um, the equivalent of like helium. That makes your voice change. So you can like do funny voices. Oh, that has, that has to be a product at their shop for sure. What about Josh Bailey? Jay Bay. What does Jay Bay want? Jay Bay's not like a prank gag type of guy. No, thank God. Um, I do think that he would like funny chocolates. Totally. You know, like you open this box of chocolates and this is more from like the other store, but I could see Fred and George having it too, where you like eat this chocolate. You know, in the movie, how um, in one of the movies, Ron like eats a piece of something. He roars like a lion. Yes. Josh would like stuff like that. Like you eat Definitely. a piece of chocolate and then you fart or then you meow like a cat or then you speak in a different language. We were in five below the store yesterday and they had whoopee cushion keychains and i said to myself josh is about to squeeze one of these and wouldn't you know he walked it, right past one and squeezed it and it made a fart noise and i was like josh please stop because people are going to think it's one of us yeah so maybe don't do that yeah then you'll be fart shamed <laughs> how about sarah epting sarah's gonna get some super stretchy serum so that when she does yoga she has like endless stretchiness Amazing. I want some. Mallory Gallagher. Mallory's going to get something that gives you like super, super telescopic vision. Ooh. Like a tiny telescope, but you can see like three miles away. It's almost like the extendable ears, but for your eyes. Extendable eyes, if you will. Jennifer Ayers. Jennifer's going to get, you know how Olaf in Frozen has that little cloud above him that snows all the time? In summer. <laughs> so in the summer, he doesn't melt. Yeah, That's Jennifer because um, she might miss the ski slopes and stuff in the Colorado summer. So she's going to get a little cloud that floats above her that snows all the time. TLDR, Jennifer Ayers is Olaf. I love it. They what does TLDR it. mean? You ask me this like three times a week. It tell means the, to tell the truth. What does it mean? No, it means too long, didn't read. Oh. It means to sum things up. Oh. You, you've you asked me this so like. To the point where you're like Dory from Finding Nemo. Right. So, yeah. Daniel Marks. Daniel Marks is going to get this powder that you put it in any liquid and it turns it to a cold beer. A cold beer. Just cold beer. <laughs> you just like scoop rainwater out of a puddle, throw this powder in it, boom, make ultra. Cold beer. They had it five below yesterday. They had draft beer flavored jelly bellies. Whoa. By the way. Yes. And they were in a beer can. It was really quite cute. How about Brienne Brown? Double B. Double B is going to get this letter that she sends to me that when I open it, I instantly can never mention Cleveland again. <laughs> it's like some kind of advanced howler. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> How about Faith Kenfield? Faith is going to get Pop Rocks. You know what Pop Rocks are? Oh, yeah. But these are Pop Rocks where you open your mouth and fireworks come out. How cool. The fireworks. The 
fireworks. Just look for the In the Heights references to go up the closer we get to June 11th. Like you all need to be prepared for this. Josh Kennedy. Josh Kennedy is going to get super ultra perfect pomade. Ooh. That all you have to do is like rub it through your hair, but then you don't have to comb. It instantly turns into perfect hair. I don't want fop. God damn it. I'm I'm a a Dapper Dapper Dan Dan man. man. Yes. And you know how long it takes me to do my hair when I go. It takes you a really long time to do your hair. Yes. Maeve Richards or sweet Maeve. Maeve's going to get farting fudge. (laughs) I like the name. Yeah. It's pretty basic. You just eat this fudge and it makes you fart. So hope you enjoy farting. I don't know if she's going to take it or she's going to give it to other people. Maybe both. Right. Right. That's that's between her and her fudge. (laughs) Between her and her God. I thought you were going to say. That's between her and her God. How about Amber Biggs? Amber Biggs. She's going to get something she can give to her daughter so she never grows up. Stop it. You're going to make me cry. Stop. Henley has to grow up. She has too much to give to the world. That's right. She can't stay little forever. But I would totally understand. She's gotten taller since we've started this show. I know. I know. Oh, her sweet little face. Chris White. Chris White. I think Chris is going to get super reading glasses Mm. where when you put them on, you can read really fast, like um, number five and short circuit. (gasps) We just pick up a book and go flip. And you've read the whole book. Amazing. He's a seeker of knowledge, Chris. That is fantastic. I love all of these inventions. How about Kelly Moore? She's going to get a bottle of bourbon beans. Yeah. They're just jelly beans, but you throw it in your mouth. Boom. It turns into a shot of bourbon in your mouth. A whole shot? Whoa. Swallow quick. Better be careful with that. Natalia Ward, the warden. The warden. The warden's going to get instant blowout. Oh, sure. Yeah. This is just like a dry shampoo. Uh Uh-huh. You put it in your hair. This is kind of similar to Josh Kennedy's thing. Yeah. But instantly you have a beautiful blowout. Fantastic. And like you have a little like fan effect, like your hair is constant. It's like Beyonce. Yeah. Fantastic. Nick Tillman. What's Nikki Tootills getting at Fred and George? Nikki Tootills is getting a a pair of brass knuckles. (laughs) That you put on your fist. Yeah. And when you punch someone, instead of it breaking their jaw, lips come out and go, love you. Love you, kid. <laughs> Kiss you right on the cheek. Pasta fajol. <laughs> Melissa Hunter. I'm the hunter. <laughs> Meliza Hunter, Meliza. who was Zooming with us. Yes, Meliza Hunter. She's going to get like one of those duck calls, but it'll do any animal sound. Ooh. You just blow into it and think about the animal and it'll give you their sound. You do a really good duck call sound. That's your cue to do it. It's really amazing to me. Lindsay Prestige. <laughs> Insta bling. Ooh. That's where you take, you can even take a piece of dental floss, tie it around your neck, Ooh. hit it with the Insta bling, boom, it becomes a gold chain. Fantastic. Something prestigious. Wonderful. Samantha Tillman. Super skates. Oh. The fastest roller skates made. Absolutely. It's she probably just... the bearings in them are like super yeah. bearings. She needs to be careful. Just she be does. careful, Sam. Please, oh Sam. My God. And then our honorary shout out from one of our non-marauder levels of patronage. I thought this week, let's shout out Raven 
Chitalo. What a beautiful name. I know. I love her name so much. And she sent us a couple of fantastic emails in the past, like over the course of this show. So I just, you know, haven't heard from you in a while, Raven. Hope you're doing well. What is Raven buying at Weasley's Wizard Wheezes? She's going to get this special candy called Eye of the Raven. Ooh. And it allows you a bird's eye view without traveling up in the air. So, like, let's say you're standing on a street and you're kind of lost. Yeah. You take this candy and close your eyes, and all of a sudden, it's like Google Earth. You're, like, (gasps) 100 feet above the ground, and you can just look around like, oh, that's where the shop is. And then you, like, open your eyes, and you're still on the street. Do you know how much I need that? You do. It's in your phone, though. It's just called Google Earth. But then I could also have a piece of candy at the same time, though. Yeah. I love it. As always, thank you to all of our marauders, all of our patrons, and all of you listening. That does it for our two chapters and for this week's episode. You know, we're coming along through this book. Yes, there's a lot going on in the world right now. And this week coming up that you'll be listening to this podcast has me kind of nervous. Just everyone remember, uh, stay positive. Yeah. Keep fighting the good fight. Don't take no shit. Don't take no shit, man. Love you guys. We love you. Bye.